Friends, as you grab a seat, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 14. What a joy it has been to travel through this series. If you're a guest today, we welcome you. We're in a teaching series right now called Thriving During the Holidays. So if you're in the room and a guest, or if you're here online, we welcome you. We praise God that you're here as well. Uh, But we've been going through this series called Thriving During the Holidays, and we're really at this point. We're at the point where we know the game plan, and it's time for us to break the huddle and go execute the game plan. This week is Thanksgiving, and uh, if you haven't started putting up your tree yet, I have, all right? I'm working on holiday decorations and whatnot, but if you haven't yet, it's coming, It is coming and it is right around the corner. And this is kind of the moment where we put the bow on the teaching series and say, all right, friends, all right, brothers, all right, sisters, we know what we need to do. Let's go do it. Let's go thrive during the holidays. And we realize that for a lot of us, there's not going to be a ton of negativity uh, uh, circling the holidays. Things are going to be exactly how you want them to be. The people you want to be there are going to be there. The people that you don't want to be there are not going to be there. And you have your recipes lined up and you've got your friend list ready and you're sending out your Christmas cards. But for some of us, things might be stressful as well. You'll remember the, the basic point that we made was that no matter whether it's stressful or good stuff, all of it can be exhausting. All of it can be exhausting. And I want to acknowledge that for you, whether you are excited about what's coming down this week and next month or whether you're struggling with what's coming. Listen, we all need to get in this place where we're walking with God through this season and we're thriving during the holidays. And that's what we've been endeavoring to do. And today we want to do that with Matthew chapter 14. And the message this morning is titled Abundance. And I wanted a, a, a short one because I wanted one word that would capture exactly what it is that we're talking about today. And as you look this morning, you'll discover that this is what Jesus is good at. He's good at creating abundance where there is none. But in Matthew chapter 14, for those of you who grew up in the church, you know this story. This is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Whether you're here in the room or you're online, if you didn't grow up in the church, this is one of those stories that is passed down in Bible school and Bible study for generations and generations because it is a story of an incredibly significant miracle. And it's significant for the reason that we're talking about it this morning. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 14. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we want to give you one. We believe the greatest investment that we can make into your life is to put the Word of God into your life. So whether you want to put it on your phone or you want to actually have a hard copy, we want to make sure that you have a copy of God's Word. This morning in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to be reading in verses 13. And this is the story of Jesus feeding the thousands and thousands of people who came and gathered around him for ministry. It says, now, Jesus withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place 
by himself. Some of your translations may say a lonely place, but I want to encourage you to really pick up on that word desolate or lonely because that's a key understanding for us this morning as we think about this idea of abundance. So he went to this desolate place by himself, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, He saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now then, when it was evening, the disciples came to him, and they said, this is a desolate place. See, again, the disciples are acknowledging what type of place they're at. This is a desolate place. This is a lonely place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples passed them on to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, just ask you to give us the courage to submit ourselves to your word this morning. Help us to understand how to yield, not just to comprehend what the word of God says, but to yield to it. And we confess to you, God, that there's so many cracks and crevices of our life that we, that we tend to, to struggle with submitting to your word. And so, Lord, this morning for each one of us as individuals, for us as a corporate body, whatever that area is, Lord, by faith, we just bring it to you and we surrender and we say to you, God, we don't just want to learn more stuff this morning. We want you to transform our lives. We want to leave here different because your word has instructed our hearts and our minds. And we pray all of this in faith. In the name of Jesus, our King and our Lord, amen. If you have your notes, you see that we're going to do a couple of things. Uh, The first thing that we're going to do is talk about Jesus. And the second thing that we're going to do is talk about the disciples. I want us to do both of those this morning. Uh, But before we do that, remember I called to your attention that word desolate. It's used twice in this story, one just describing the type of place that Jesus went to. The scripture says that Jesus uh, departed and he went to what the biblical author Matthew would call a desolate place, a lonely place. And then as the story unfolds, the disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is a desolate place and we need you to, to dismiss these people so that they can go get some food. And I guess what I want you to understand is that the Lord being present in a desolate place isn't unheard of. In fact, all through scripture, we see that God has the audacity and the willingness to step in to desolate places and to meet people there and to interact with people there. I'm thinking of Ezekiel 37, if you're making notes this morning, God has this incredible moment with the prophet Ezekiel in this incredible vision. And you talk about desolation. I can't think of a more desolate place 
than this vision that God gave to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is looking out, and the scripture says literally he's looking out over a valley of dried up bones. And God steps in and meets Ezekiel in that vision. And they have this incredible interaction. And it's this moment where Ezekiel understands that God is sovereign and he can do anything. There's a scripture, if you're making notes, Psalm chapter 18. It's this creepy, eerie image. It says, the cords of death entangled me. It's talking about this picture of a swimmer and this the cords of death reach up and grab him by the ankles and began to pull him underwater and the distress and the panic and this moment of desolation and it says but God but God met me in my point of desolation and so one of the key principles this morning is that God is not afraid of desolate places In fact, over and over and over in the word of God, he meets people there. Now, I want to, just for a moment, to refocus our attention on us. I want to check in with you. And I want to just take a second and ask you, how are you doing? Because you may uh, think to yourself as you read this story and the townspeople and the disciples run along and they end up in a desolate place. You may read this story and you may say, I don't identify with that. I've never been there. I don't know what it's like. I mean, every place that I've gone either has a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks. I can get my caffeine. It's got a Burger King or a McDonald's or a whatever. So I don't live in a desolate place. I've got running water. I've got food. And maybe you would say this morning, I don't connect with that because I've never been in a desolate place. Yeah, but... How about what's going on in here? You know, because there's some categories of our life that the world may look at us and and think everything is awesome in that person's life, but you just got some desolation going on. You know, I think about relationships. And maybe this morning as we sit here, there's a relationship or two or three that you're saying, this is desolation. There's no life in this relationship and I'm struggling through this and I don't know what to do and I don't know who to turn to. And and frankly and honestly, desolation does describe maybe not my living situation, but it describes my relationship. Maybe you're here and finances is a place of desolation for you. Or maybe you're here and emotionally you're in a place of desolation for a hundred reasons. Maybe you're struggling through the pandemic and you're working through that and you felt isolated. Or or maybe it's something to do with the holidays. Or maybe you have what I call election fatigue where whoever you voted for, the fact is like we're just exhausted from this whole election cycle. And we think to ourselves, why am I so stressed out? Why am I struggling right now? Well, you take all of these things and you put them together and it just compounds on us. And so, no, we don't live 
literally in a place of desolation, but there can be some desolation inside of us. And here's what I want you to see this morning. The one single point that I want you to to latch onto this morning is that when Jesus is present and active, he turns places of desolation into places of abundance. I want you to know that this morning. Now, when I say something like that, it's a, there's a possibility that you say, so you guarantee, you promise me that if God is present and active, then something like this miracle is going to happen. Listen, I'm not promising you anything. I don't have the mind of God. I'm not God. I can tell you what I would do for you if I were God, but I'm not God. But here's what I can tell you. Every time I look in the scripture, every time I turn the page and I look at these places of brokenness and these places of sorrow and these places of desolation, and I see God interact with people, it always is transformed. God is always at work. So I can't promise you exactly what that will look like. I'm not going to make a promise for God. But what I am going to say to you is this. When you look in the Gospels, and even in the Old Testament, just when God was working through his people Israel, when you look in the Scripture, here's what you discover. That when God was at work, he met people in their desolation, and he transformed it to abundance. That I am willing to make a promise on. I won't promise you what it looks like. I won't guarantee you what it is that God is going to do in your life. God is living and active, and he's got much more wisdom than I do, and he has a specific plan for your life, and you and God have a specific and unique relationship, and I'm not going to pretend to know what God is about to do in your life, but I can promise you this. In seasons of desolation and brokenness, and sorrow, God can redeem those. And we see that as a microcosm here in this text. Jesus meets these people in a desolate place and it turns into a place of abundance. And we're gonna look at two ways in just a moment, but did you just catch when we were reading that scripture that people were attracted to Jesus Can we just take a moment and just celebrate that? Let's go back and look, and then we'll we'll see the two ways that Jesus turns desolation into abundance. But I just want to brag on Jesus. Not that Jesus needs me to brag on him, but I just want to say this in our hearing, and so that we all can appreciate this. It says that when Jesus went to a desolate place, He went ashore. There was a great crowd. Why? Because the crowd saw where Jesus was going and they ran ahead to be where he was going to be. What an incredible testimony that broken people, people with practical needs, people who are hurting, people who are hungry for the kingdom of God, they run to Jesus. And he was trying to get to a desolate place. And when he steps out, 
He's at a well-populated place because the crowds have gathered. Now, we see abundance in two ways. The first way that we see abundance is in physical abundance. And, and we know that Jesus gave physical abundance. Well, one, because that's what this passage is so well known for, right? The, the, the feeding of the thousands of people with just a few pieces of bread and some few fish. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, the first thing that we see, the first way that we see abundance in this text is by Jesus healing the people who were sick. In verse 14, it says, Jesus had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He cared about their practical needs. He wanted them to be well. And that's why I think that moments like our church's life this weekend is so significant is because our, our, our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. He conquered the law, the sin, and the death, and that all who would put their faith in him can have life. That's the gospel message. But in addition to the gospel message, we want people to have spiritual health, but we also want them to have practical help. That's why this weekend is so important. That's why we have trash bags of clothes here this morning for us to remind ourselves that we want to meet people's needs spiritually and physically because it's the way of Jesus. He healed the sick and he fed them. He fed them. Now, as we're looking at Thanksgiving, let me just tell you, eating is a sacred thing. Amen. And these people needed food. Jesus fed them. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus fed them. And it's an abundance of food, the scripture says. Everybody didn't just get a taste. Everybody didn't have to share one candy bar. Everybody didn't have to share one meal. You didn't order the kids meal and break it up seven ways. I want you to look with me this morning at what the scripture says. It says says in verse 20, they all ate and they were satisfied. They were content with what they had. And then they started taking leftovers. It goes on to say they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Now, leftovers is an important theme because we are right on the cusp of Thanksgiving. And some of us love the leftovers just as much as we love the first overs. I don't know what you call that. <laughs> the meal. <laughs> Thank you. But I want you to notice something. It is the character of God to do what he does with abundance. And, you know, we're connecting it in a humorous way to Thanksgiving. And I want you to just notice, though, in a very significant, significant point, God is a God of abundance. Physically and spiritually. Maybe your need isn't physical. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you need the spiritual abundance of God in your life. 
Now, this story is a story that's actually told not only in the Gospel of Matthew, but in Mark and Luke as well. This is a retold story of one of Jesus' miracles. And in both Mark and Luke, it says that Jesus not only healed the sick, but he also taught the kingdom of God to the people. And the reason that I share that with you is because I want you to I want you to have this clear picture of Jesus. Jesus cared about the physical needs and the spiritual needs. And sometimes as, as, as a church, and not just the fellowship, but I, every church that I've ever been associated with, we've always struggled with this. Are we preaching the gospel? Are we meeting needs? Are we meeting needs? Are we preaching the gospel? Are we sharing Christ? Are we sharing bread? Listen, Jesus did both. And he did it well. And the reason that I want for us to write down in our notes today that Jesus uh, turned desolation into abundance, both physically and spiritually, is because I want you to understand that both are important in the kingdom of God. And it's okay to have needs in both of these areas. You know, we were talking about Jesus meeting needs and Jesus meeting needs through us, but it could be that you're here and you have your own need. And if you do, this is a great place for you. This is a place where you will be loved. This is a place where people will walk with you. Are we perfect? No. Pastor Zach will be the first to tell you that we're not perfect. But we want to walk with you through hard seasons of life because we believe that there's a God in heaven that loves you and this fellowship will love you. We'll walk with you through these moments. We want you to be spiritually healthy and we want you to be physically healthy healthy as well. So we've looked at Jesus and we've understood this one really important point as we go into the holidays that Jesus can step into a place of desolation, transform it into a place of abundance. And I'm praying by faith that that the word desolation doesn't describe anybody's holidays here. But if it does... Thanks be to God that even if we look at our situation and circumstances and we would attach the descriptive word desolation to where we're at in our life, I want you to know that that is a place that God can meet you. And that is a place that because of the power of God and according to Matthew 14, because of the compassion of God, That can be a place of abundance for you. Please know that. Now on the practical side of things this morning, I want for us to spend the rest of our time together thinking about the disciples. Because I believe in the disciples, we find three actions or values or principles that if we can successfully see them extract them and put them in our life, we will be well on our way to thriving during the holidays. I I want the disciples to be an example for us, in other words. And and specifically three ways. You see that in your notes. And if you don't know that you have notes yet, you might be sitting on them. Uh, This morning you have notes and you also have a little devotional booklet that was written by people of the fellowship. We hope that you'll take that. And utilize that as you walk with God through the holiday season. But I want for us to look this morning at the disciples. 
And I want for us to notice a couple of things. And the first are the disciples, the disciples really, truly, authentically, actually cared about the people. They really were focused on the people. Now, I understand that life can get busy and we're in the holidays. And listen to me, even outside of the holidays, life can get busy. And sometimes we get so focused on tasks and agendas and getting things done that we stop thinking about and experiencing compassion for people. And I want you to understand this morning that when we look at the scripture, the disciples caught They absorbed the compassion of Jesus for these people. And the reason that I really believe that that's the case, if you look with me uh, back in the scripture, let's look back in the text this morning. And if you look in verse 15, the scripture says that the disciples approached Jesus, wanted to tell him something, had something important to say to Jesus. The disciples came to him. It says they came to him in the evening And they said, this is a desolate place and the day is over. Send the crowds away to go into the village and buy food for themselves. Now here's what just happened in this scripture. The disciples were trying to do something that was going to help the people that they were around. They saw a problem. They wanted to fix the problem. And, and they saw it, and they wanted to bring a solution out of a motive of compassion and concern, out of an ethic of love. They were coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, they've, they've been listening to you preach all day. It's the evening, and they need to eat. Send them away so they can go get some food. Now, They saw the issue correctly, but they didn't have the right solution. Clearly, they didn't have the right solution. They made a mistake in trying to correct the problem. The only reason I bring that to your attention is because I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen an issue, I've seen a problem, and I decided to tell God how God should handle this. Have you ever done that before? Oh, God, there's this problem that's brewing here. Really, God, what you should do is you should do this, this, and this. That way the problem will be solved. You see, we're always trying to solve spiritual problems with human thinking. And it just doesn't work for me. I'm not saying that the disciples were in sin. I'm just saying that they clearly saw what the issue was, but they didn't have a clear solution. And so they're telling Jesus, Jesus, you need to send these people away. But I just want you to be clear. It wasn't because they were angry at the people. It wasn't because they didn't care about the people. They wanted the people to go to the towns so that they could meet their own physical needs. And Jesus says, "Um, no, that's my summary. Jesus says something even more incredible. He says, you, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine that? (laughs) If you're cooking this Thanksgiving for a group of people, I want you to imagine that it's not two or four 
or five or 10 or 11? You got that? Imagine that you're cooking for over 5,000 people. Now, I like to cook, but my stress level would go through the roof. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Now, think about this. And for those of us who grew up in the church, here's the issue. We have read this so many times it doesn't knock us over anymore. Look, try to pretend that you're reading this for the first time. And if you are looking at this scripture for the first time, oh, how I'm jealous of you. Because I remember the first time I read Jesus say to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Thousands and thousands of people. Now you understand why they were saying, Jesus, send them to the towns. Let them go to McDonald's. We don't have any home cooking for them here. Let them go somewhere else. The people cared. The disciples cared for the people. That's the whole point that I'm making. And in the busyness of the holidays and in the busyness of your life and in the quick rhythmed nature of of what our lives look like today, what I'm saying to you is don't stop caring for the people. And from time to time, you may get it wrong. The solution that you think they need may not be the need that they, that's the solution that they need, but don't stop caring for people. That is where the church can make such a powerful impact in the community is by caring for people. Second thing that the disciples do is they get honest with the Lord. Jesus looks at them and he says, you give them something to eat. And all they do is say what's true. Jesus We have five pieces of bread and two fish that might feed two people. Because I don't know about you, I'm a two fish kind of guy. I don't know how many your requirements are to be satisfied. They're honest with him. And sometimes we look at this honesty and we equate it to lacking faith. This is past week. We were here at the church and I was talking with somebody on our staff and we were discussing the story. And we were talking about whether or not the disciples lacked faith, whether or not they lacked trust in God. And we came to the conclusion that we don't think that they did. They were simply telling Jesus what was true. They're like, Jesus, these people are hungry. They've been here all day. This is a desolate place. This is a lonely place. There's no crops. There's nothing. They need to go find some food. Jesus says, you feed them. And they say, Jesus... We have five loaves and two fish. They were just being honest with the Lord. And and the reason I think that that's significant is because sometimes in our life, the Lord is speaking to us an assignment or an agenda or a next step or a next development in our spiritual life or a next touch of ministry for someone. And we don't think that we have what we need in order to do that. In other words, the task is so big, we don't have the resources, we don't have the know-how, we don't have the power to accomplish that. And here's my advice to you. When you find yourself in that position, tell the Lord, 
Because then the Lord Jesus steps in and we see a miracle. When the disciples said, Jesus, all we have is just this little bit. When they were honest with the Lord, the Lord did a miracle. I want to ask you this question in a very personal way. Are you being honest with the Lord? In every area, are you being honest with God? The disciples just said what they had. Jesus, you want us to feed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Here's the key. Jesus says, bring me what you have. Bring it to me. Which means the disciples were available and they were obedient. If you're making notes, would you put that down this morning? The disciples were available and they were obedient. And Jesus said, bring what you have. Let's look back at it again, if you will. Verse 18, Jesus said, bring them here to me. What did Jesus say? Just bring me what you have and I'll transform it into abundance. You know, I ask you, in a very personal way, are you being honest with God? I want to ask you this question too. Are you willing to bring him what you have? Are you willing to come into the presence of God and say, all I have, God, are five loaves of bread and two fish, but do with it what you will? I want to encourage you. I just want to speak a word of encouragement to you this morning. You can appreciate that as the pastor, I don't know where everybody is at in this very moment. And we all can agree, can't we, that some of us are gearing up for good holidays. Some of us are struggling through the holidays. Some of us are grieving right now. We've experienced loss. And this will be a holiday where there'll be an empty chair. So some of us are really on the mountaintop and some of us are on the valley and some of us are trying to figure out am I on the mountaintop or am I in the valley but I want to encourage you these three things that we see in the disciples they're not beyond our reach they're not beyond your reach care about people be honest with the Lord and be available and be obedient And if you're in a season of abundance and you're thriving right now, my greatest hope for you is that you would be available and show up for people in the next season through the holidays. The disciples weren't just there geographically. They were locked in. Did they get some things wrong? Yes. And as we seek to serve God, we're going to get a few things wrong. But they weren't just present. They were there. They were locked in. They were available. Can I challenge you to be available to the people around you this holiday season? They need your smile. 
They need your love. They need your testimony that your God can turn desolation into abundance. I want to ask you to stand with me and we're going to pray together before we close our time. And if you would just bow for prayer. We're going to go through a season of prayer. And the first thing that I would like for us to pray for is just anybody here who would say, I am walking through a moment of desolation in some area, some form or fashion of my life. And I want to pray for you. So if that's you, would you put your hand in the air so that I can just see who I would be praying for? Amen. We all together, Lord, pray for our brothers and our sisters who are willing to confess. We need you, oh God. We need abundance. We pray by faith. We pray with love for those who identify with the term desolation. We stand with them as prayer partners. We walk with them as a loving family. We lift them up to you, our gracious and loving Father. And we trust that in some way, somehow, you're going to meet them in that need. And I want to give you a moment to pray, church family, just right where you are. Prayers of commitment. Prayers of conviction about really being intentional. About caring for people. About being honest with the Lord. About being available and obedient to the Lord. And between you and the Lord... And your unique situation in life. I want to give you a moment just to respond to God. Lord, we are overwhelmed with awe at the way that you can take a historical moment from 2,000 years ago and lay it so perfectly into our lives in the here and now. We celebrate that you are an active and living God that meets us in a place of desolation and transforms it into abundance. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in the waiting period, waiting for you to transform that into abundance. I pray for their faith and I pray for their joy and I pray for their patience. And thank you for a group of disciples who didn't get, always get it right. But their hearts were for you. We learned so much from them today, Lord. May we take it and apply it as our prayer. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Our Lord, our Savior, 
our king, our salvation, our hope, our restorer, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.